The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to another Writer File. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you into the minds, the habits, 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 and brains of renowned writers. Now, in part two of this file, the award-winning New York Times bestselling author, investigative journalist, all-around madman Scott Carney returns to talk about the dangers of putting yourself into the story what he's learned from 20 plus years in mainstream publishing, and how he juggles his multiple creative adventures. Throughout his globe-trotting career, Scott spent extensive time in South Asia, been a contributing editor at Wired for over five years, and written for Mother Jones, Men's Journal, Playboy, Discover, Outside, Fast Company, and many others. Mr. Carney is the author of a trio of nonfiction books that combine investigative journalism and anthropology. His titles include The Red Market, A Death on Diamond Mountain, and most recently, the New York Times bestseller, What Doesn't Kill Us, How Freezing Water, Extreme Altitude, and Environmental Conditioning Will Renew Our Lost Evolutionary Strength. As part of the research for What Doesn't Kill Us, Scott spent time with Dutch extreme athlete and fitness guru Wim Hof to try to understand the science behind his now famous method to control his body temperature in extreme conditions and tap into ancient superhuman abilities. In addition to his writing, Scott's a public speaker and educator whose work has been featured on NPR and National Geographic TV. His most recent project is a video course for writers called The Fine Print, It's aimed at helping freelancers, journalists, and creative entrepreneurs think of themselves as a startup business to help merge their creative and business sensibilities. Stay tuned to the end of the show for a special discount code just for listeners of this podcast. In part two of this file, Scott and I discuss tips for escaping the great distraction machine and focusing on only what's in front of you, why the author's whole life has been built around writer's block, Scott's routines for successfully juggling multiple large writing projects, how the author uses investigative journalism to actualize his ventures, and vice versa, the importance of making a living versus writing simply for your own pleasure, and why he wants to take Hemingway to rehab. If you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in, and in the show notes. Stand by. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. 
It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. Are you a headphones guy? Do you listen to music? Do you do white noise? Do you do any uh, audio? No, I need, I need silence. I have pretty bad ADD. And so any um, external anything, and I you sort of totally lose track. Um, I can't focus on anything. Um, what I did find is that there's this program called Self-Control. I don't know if you've ever heard of hmm. it. Um, it, 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 uh, it turns off the internet to your computer, right? Cause I always find myself on Reddit or Facebook or any of those number, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the whole internet is a distraction machine, right? Yeah. So there's this thing called self-control where you can set, you know, your internet shuts down or just selected sites on the internet shut down for, um, you know, any time period that you select so half an hour, an hour or something like that. And I find that I can be after procrastinating for a while, I can be hyper productive for like 15 or 20 minutes, which will get most of my word quota done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with, um, and I, and I'm pretty sure that, uh, self-control if it's not, if you're not joking, um, is a, uh, <laughs> is similar to an app called freedom. Uh, yep. I think which does yep. much the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it just goes kind of hand in hand with almost like a Pomodoro method where you're mm-hmm. setting, a, setting a timer and restricting yourself to really only get words onto the page. And you get so bored after the first five minutes that you have nothing really to other do, to do right? than to just get the words down. You can't move. You can't, you know, go get a right. coffee refill. Uh, you can't check your Facebook, um, which, right. I've, which I've recently deleted. Um, just oh, kidding. good. Just oh. for, just for, <laughs> no, I still have an account. I just deleted it from my phone. So I don't. Right. So I don't, uh, I'm not so tempted. You're a little happier. Like, yeah, I think so. Um, notifications are a, a productivity killer for sure. Well, have you ever run up against writer's block or do you believe in it? Is it a malady or is it a made up well, thing? Yeah, I don't know. I think that writer's block um, certainly has happened to me, like where you can't get words, on, where I can't get words on a page or I just couldn't get really bad ideas. But I, I sort of feel like my whole life is arranged around writer's block, right? This is why the that Pomodoro method or the Scrivener, the, the self-control or freedom is so important is that my natural state is procrastination. <laughs> and, and so yeah. giving myself focused time sort of does break out of it, but I've never had a thing where I like, could, like couldn't write a word for like six months at a time. Like that's never occurred to me. And I really hope that it doesn't cause that would be a career killer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about workflow. I'm going to guess that you're a Mac. Guy. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like you you lean on Scrivener for stuff. Oh, I love Scrivener. Yeah. I mean, I don't use all its functions, uh, but but Scrivener, especially for larger projects, um, it, it just organizes things so well. Uh, and then other than that, I use Google Docs for a lot of stuff, too. Um, cause I, I really like the sharing, um, mode on Google docs where, you know, I work for instance with a, this, this colleague of mine, who's in Oslo uh, and we do, you know, one project every couple years, uh, together. And it's really useful to have Google docs open. You have that whole, sure. that, that sort of article in it, and then you can just see what each other are doing, um, as you're writing, which is just 
mind-bogglingly amazing and, and useful. <laughs> yeah, unless your unless your uh, cohort is trolling you. Yeah, which he does sometimes. That. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. You know, I think, I think the co- the term, uh, productive procrastination was, uh, coined by Austin Cleon, who's a, a graphic designer and a writer. Uh, he wrote a book called steal like an artist. Um, and you know, his whole thing was to always have three or four projects going at the same time. It sounds like mm-hmm. that's kind of your, um, Ken and doing that, I think, you know, allows your brain to incubate ideas, right. um, for that illumination piece while you're working on one thing, your brain obviously is kind of doing stuff in the background in that, um, mm-hmm. kind of, what is that? The default mode in neuroscience. Um, right. so, so it sounds like you kind of just lean into it and you, and you let procrastination help you. I mean, I guess so. I mean, I, I that's really interesting. I, um, the, the, the way you put it almost makes me sound, um, really like I planned it out. Really well. <laughs> uh, let's go, but, let's roll with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's sort of, there's this natural ADD where I am always, you know, turning to the next shiny thing. So I've surrounded myself with like yeah. eight shiny things that I can turn my attention to. And yeah, it's, it's better when it's not just surfing the, the front page of Reddit, right? You know, it's like, oh, I'll do this. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I find that there's also two very different types of, 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 of project that I'm working on. Right? There's that development phase where something's the idea, which is, you know, sort of just trying to get an idea into a full on assignment, you know, in go mode. And I rarely have, um, you know, total more than one total focus project alive at any one time right right now i'm working on this book called the wedge and i and i have to have it you know 
released, you know, the manuscript needs to be done in, in October. And that's the only main project I have going, but I'm pitching nine different projects probably. Uh, and, and, and they're all sort of long-term and I can sort of slate them in so that when I finish this manuscript, I can just go right over into the next one, uh, as sort of the full-time thing. And I, and I, you know, I have some small things like this video course takes, you know, a, a little bit of time. Um, but it, it's something that doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't sort of, uh, take control of, of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you work out of a dedicated office? Do you work kind of out in the wild? It sounds like you work <laughs> in an office because you need that focus. Yeah, I, I have a, like a standing desk in my office uh, with, uh, you know, in my house, uh, you know, and, and so a lot of my life is just at a normal computer with a, you know, a desk and, and all that stuff. Um, but, I, you know, I take a lot of breaks in the day. I'll go outside. I, I do some workouts during the day, sort of like short 15, 20 minute workouts and then come back and and go back into working. You know, I, I'm not really someone who, who believes that you need to put in nine hours a day. I'm more of a person who feels like you need to get a certain amount of project success done in any one day. Mm -hmm. And then once that's done, your day is free, right? So if I finish my 500 words and I feel like good with that at 9 a.m., because I work from 8.30 to 9, I feel no guilt going out on a hike or a bike ride for the rest of the day. I feel like, you know, and then if you plan long enough, right, especially with a book, right, you can say, I have to have this book done in 12 months. Um, that 500 words a day goal is way more important than I sat in my desk nine hours a day, right. And produced who knows how much, um, because you need that book in, in, a, in a fairly long period of time. And you can, you know, your book project should, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, give you enough money b- uh, between advance and, and royalties that, that it, it's a sustainable model. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm a little curious about, I think, you know, kind of your experience with this last book, um, what doesn't kill us, right. you kind of talk a little bit about kind of where you were coming from and, um, you know, how you were kind of trying to really debunk <laughs> the Wim Hof mm-hmm. method, right. Um, right. as, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, a charlatan and right. ultimately found that it was, um, you know, rooted in, in, in science. And Mm -hmm. so, so how, how has that affected maybe your productivity as a creative person? Have you adopted, as you mentioned, um, kind of a, a a different productivity mode where those breaks are ultimately more important to you than they used to be? Um, are you doing any breathing exercises? Are you, right. you know, like now I'm kind of curious about, and I know you've talked about kind of obviously the, the body mind connection um, right. and how interested Silicon Valley is in that whole thing. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that they're approaching uh, you and Wim Hof about kind of uh, how they can monetize your, your uh, ideas into not, an app. Uh, yeah. There, there are some apps coming out on that, but not, I'm not involved with them. And, no. and now you're making me think, Oh, another shiny thing to pursue. Right? <laughs> oh no. Um, but no, but in, in all curiosity, um, I think just because of your background as a journalist and kind of your integrity, obviously it doesn't sound like, um, that's the route you would go, but it does seem, uh, like a natural progression for you to kind of find, you know, we, you know how we, we we're learning more about, uh, what is it? Nootropic, mm-hmm. um, stuff. And kind of, you're talking about biohacking and, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering as a writer, like how, 
how are you incorporating some of the things that you've learned into oh, totally. keeping you like focused and mm-hmm. you know keeping the cursor moving so i you know when i started this career it was hardcore investigative journalism right it was it was infiltrating organ traffickers and organized crime i was doing stuff in war zones i you know had you know various points where i was like guns pointed at me which i didn't like very much <laughs> really? um and and it, i was very much chasing these really big and potentially dangerous stories that occurred on sort of the fringes of what any you know what most people think is ordinary um although in those worlds they had the sort of ordinary logic to them which is super fascinating and so the first two books that grew out of that investigative career from you know going from feature stories into into books were were all about you know I'm going out I'm going to go find the bad guy and get him to tell me his secrets and I'm going to write the thing about him uh, which which was sort of adversarial um in in nature which is fine like that's a, a totally okay mode to write in uh, but when I did the but you know in that adversarial mode the other thing that you need to do is you need to empathize with your the people you're writing about. So, you know, even if I'm talking to like a mob boss who's, you know, has a, a, a murder record, I'm trying to get him to admit that he murdered people on tape. I still need to like empathize with where they're coming from and try to understand the world through their eyes or else I'm going to do a terrible job representing why these things happened. Mm-hmm. And which means to some degree, you have to give even the murderer a fair shot, right? You have to even give that bad guy a fair shot to like explain where he, where they're coming from. Sure. And with what doesn't kill us, like it started out, I just written a book about how, you know, this Tibetan guru, American Tibetan guru in Arizona was teaching a type of meditation which promised superpowers and how that promise ended up getting people killed. That's the really short version of that, of, uh, you know, the book that I wrote called uh, The Enlightenment Trap. Hmm. And, and, and then I heard about Wim Hof. Now, Wim Hof was making these claims that he could sort of exist on icebergs in his underwear and he could control his immune system with the power of his mind and, you know, cure every disease known to man. And I was like, this guy is total horseshit, right? He, he's just saying the same stuff <laughs> as as these other, uh, you know, charlatans that I've exposed. And it'll be a pretty easy job for me to go in there and expose him. So I went out there with the intention of saying, you know, here's another sort of charlatan out there. And he wasn't super famous at that point. He was sort of a pretty unknown um, fitnessy guru guy. Hmm. And, uh, but, you know, as the method of any sort of journalist with integrity, you st- I still have to give him a chance. So I went there, I tried his method, and lo and behold, it worked, which totally blew my mind. <laughs> Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, within a week, I was sitting on this bank of like a river in Poland. You know, this is the middle of the winter that stopped the Nazi army uh, right. in, in the 40s. Right. And I'm melting the snow around me with my body heat. So I was like, well, this is bananas. This is this is great. And, you know, from there, I did you know a number of other sort of uh, adventurous feats. And then I tried to understand how it all worked. And so just from the perspective of being honest as a reporter, I, I investigated this thing, which is truly amazing and and groundbreaking. And I knew it had to be a book. You know, the, I, after that week, I was sure I would write a book. And it just took me six or seven years to finally get that book out. Um, and, you know, the, the article ran in Playboy and it, it 
got a lot of attention and all that stuff. And that Wim Hof in that intervening time had also became sort of this international superstar. Uh, so that was very convenient for me to be as someone who knew him at the very beginning of his sort of international career yeah, and then wild. be able to release, release a book with it. And that, so that now your second, you, you know, you're sort of the other part of your question, which is how has that changed my um, writing method in my career now is that now that I found this sort of really cool um, entry point into my own physiology, I'm using this stuff all the time. And I'm going on instead of these adventures, which are really adversarial, where I'm going out to prove someone's wrong, I hear about something which sounds really promising. And I go out and I try it. And, you know, sometimes the stuff doesn't work, right? Sometimes, like you mentioned, nootropics, I've been underwhelmed by the nootropics that, I, that mm -hmm. I've been, looked at. But I have been really impressed by some exercises that, that I'm looking at, certain sort of environmental exposures. And, and I'm sort of just all wrapping that up into this next book. And it's going to be another adventure. So Scott still gets to do adventures, but I'm not getting as many guns pointed at me. So win-win. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all around. Well, um, you want to answer a couple creativity questions? Yeah, shoot. Okay. Uh, how does Scott Carney define creativity? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I guess just creating something, right? You know, uh, but yeah, I don't really have a, a great answer because I think everyone is creative in their own ways. Uh, and and, and, you know, there's one thing about having an idea that however that idea, you know, Genesis is from, uh, you know, that's a creative in a, in a very raw form. But I find that creativity and actually the actual creation of something is uh, very mechanical, right? Once you have that great bit of inspiration, it's trying to translate that into uh, you know, your form, right? whether it's a sculpture or a painting or a, you know, in my case, a, a book or, or article. And, and the, that actualizing things is very, very difficult and it requires discipline and it requires, um, you know, a, a lot of the scut work that we don't always enjoy. Like I, I much prefer pitching ideas than I do actually completing them. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because there's that sort of like, oh, potential in the, in the idea coming in. And then there's the, oh, now I have to go fulfill this, which is way less fun. That's interesting. Uh, you know, yeah, because uh, so many writers say they enjoy the feeling of having written, um, mm -hmm. but they don't actually like writing. And uh, mm -hmm. that's a pretty common, common theme, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that's the creative muse, right? Um, when those ideas are kind of coming to you mm -hmm. um, out of the ether. Do you have a, a, a muse that you're following? It sounds like, sounds like the, the, the kind of the adventure of a lifetime that you're kind of on right now. So how do you define muse? I find that really interesting. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm not thinking of it in a traditional sense. I think every, every writer and every creative has something, some seed mm -hmm. that they follow. You know, I think, um, you know, writers like a famous storied writer that wrote, uh, bright lights, big city, Jay McInerney, mm -hmm. um, you know, has written about New York city, most of his life and mm. uh you know i asked him what's what's the music he said well it's the city um okay yeah but you know i mean i think we all have different muses perhaps at different times in our lives and some people just don't believe that it's <laughs> even a thing much right like yeah i don't know i mean i think that that you know in in the sort of the greek um 
uh, understanding of it, right? It's it's sexual energy that goes into that as well, mm. right? Mm-hmm. They would they, it would be like you have a you know a woman or in some cases a young boy that you, you had the sexual attracted attraction to, but didn't actually actualize in reality, and then turn that into your creative potential. Mm. Um, I, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, but uh, um, and, and I, I'm not really eager to get that either. But you know, I, 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 you know, I like what you're saying. You know, could New York City be my, your muse, or in my case, maybe having crazy adventures be a muse? But then that also gets very diffuse, doesn't it? Sure. Well, uh, in your estimation, what makes a writer truly great? Honestly, I think it's a nuts and bolts thing. I think a, a truly great writer is a writer who can make a living <laughs> doing mm-hmm. this and where that where their their writing and their their creative potential and their sort of real world sustaining potential uh, have met and that you can sort of continue to do your work. Um, I find that a really great skill uh, and something that is um, underappreciated, right? It's something that sure. is not um, – uh, you know, if people think that, oh, someone is such a great wordsmith, right? Or they, they you know, I was talking to this writer when I used to live in, uh, in California who, who told me he writes these books and then he just puts them out and he doesn't care if no one reads them. And I think that's crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I think, no, you're right because you want a lot of people to read your your work and it has to find people. And, and, and the passion that you originally sparked it um, is somehow inhabits that person. I think that's the great thing. And and in order to get to that level in the modern world, you need to be have very rational business practices. You need to like treat it as a, as a, a in, to some ways, a product, right? That, that's going out there and, and moves through sort of channels that eventually gets into the hands of readers because not all of us are rediscovered after we die. You know, for me, in some ways, the most depressing thing I can do is go into a bookstore and look at all of those books on the shelves and be like, oh my God, how am I, how has anyone going to find my thing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, do you have a couple favorite authors uh, that you're just kind of stuck on presently? Some someone sitting on your um, nightstand, or any any other authors I mean, that you admire? What I'm reading right now is is a lot of scientific papers, which are not inspiring. Right? <laughs> they're really interesting, but they're, but they're not super <laughs> inspiring. Um, I would say that my favorite, you know, the writers that I admire most are the the, the sort of hard the really interesting narrative nonfiction masters out there. Mm-hmm. I think John Krakauer is phenomenal. And, and, you know, I wrote one of my books with, uh, under the banner of heaven, right on my desk, right. Where I would mm-hmm. refer to passages as and sort of like try to inhabit some of his work. I find John Valiant's work amazing. Uh, you know, like the book, the tiger, uh, in, in fiction, um, uh, Ernest Hemingway, you know, good, good old, uh, you know, fishing stories, you know, uh, and, you know, stories of gain and loss. I mean, I find those very um, uh, impassioning. Do you, as so many uh, writers and, and uh, journalists do, do you have just a uh, kind of a best love quote hanging over your desk or burned and yeah. et- etched into your mind? I don't. I have a, I have a, I have a picture of a, I have a, a cutout of a tiger above my computer oh, okay. from that I picked up in Thailand somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's inspiring, but I really do like cats. It could be a totem. Could be. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe my spirit animal is a tiger. That'd be go. cool. That's a cool spirit animal. <laughs> it's probably a jellyfish. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, before we wrap up with uh, more information about the course and uh, mm-hmm. how to connect with you out there and any advice um, you have for your fellow scribes, 
Uh, let's do one fun one. If you could choose any author from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite spot in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh, man. I mean, so here's the, here's the question. Do you want to take them to a place that would amaze them or amaze you with the, the weirdness <laughs> of it? Like, it'd be sure. cool to take Hemingway to, like, a crocheting class to see mm. how he does, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Do they serve wine? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, or maybe take him to rehab. You know, he probably. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> you know, you could have done so much more. Uh, <laughs> um, I snorted yeah. a little bit. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a great story. But I'd love to have met uh, Hemingway, um, and I, 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 in theory, I could meet Krakauer because I think he lives in Boulder and I live in Denver. So ah. that, that that's something we we I go mountain climbing with with Krakauer would be really interesting. It'd be a fun way to fall off a mountain and then die. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as said, said many a climber, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> I want to go in a in a Krakauer book. <laughs> Uh, before we point listeners to, um, these great resources, do you want to just offer any advice to your fellow writers? I know, I mean, <laughs> that's uh, kind of, um, goes hand in hand with your course, obviously. Um, but just to kind of sum up what we've talked about here on just how to, how to keep going. Yeah. In, in terms of creativity is, is, is you know, it's, it's easy to get bogged down by the realities of the writing life, right? Is that when you're getting out there and you're like, how, how am I going to get, a uh, you, know, you know, a contract, an agent, a you know, movie deal, book deal, whatever. Or how am I even going to get into this magazine in the first place? It's it's really important not to take the whole project in your mind at the same time from start to finish. Like when I said that you, you should come up with ideas that could be movies or books, that's true. But you shouldn't immediately be trying to work on that movie part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So take it, take it one day at a time, break up big projects into small manageable pieces and and get a little bit done every day. And, and, and that adds up to big things over time. Uh, and, and, you know, get the more stressed out you get about, you know, finishing that project, the, the, the less you can pay attention to what's exactly in front of you and what you actually have control to work on, uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. We will point listeners to a handful of resources. Um, you can start at scottcarney.com to find um, Scott's writing, more information about um, what he's up to, his books, links to his articles. And of course, um, this course that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, The Fine Print. And the course is designed to help teach you s- skills that journalism schools and MFA programs are afraid to teach, right? That's kind of kind of mm-hmm. the, uh, the or they don't i don't know if yeah. they're afraid to they just they just don't teach you business skills they teach you how to like worry about the ethics of what you write which are important um and, and how to fact check and how to go out and report but they don't talk about how to turn your words into money they just sort of figure you'll get a staff job or you'll figure out on the in, on the fly and it's a real disservice to people who are suddenly taking out thirty forty thousand dollars in loans not to to realize how how to connect that creativity to to you know, your bank account someday. Uh, and so, you know, negotiate and all of these are sort of parts of that, of that business. So yeah, it's called the fine print. Uh, and the code that I'm giving away to, to people who are listening to this podcast, um, is, is called writer files. You can, you can, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty easy to to figure out. And it's, that's 20% off the course. So it comes out to about a hundred and 20 bucks or something like that oh, i that's, think that's great that's a nice resource for listeners uh so again that coupon code is 
writer files. Oh, all one word. Excuse me. Yeah, and in all caps because it didn't let me, you know, monkey with that. So there you go. And, and it, it's it's I think it's active until uh, end of May. All right. So listeners yeah. um, can go to courses.scottcarney.com. I'll post that link and get 20% off that course until May 31st of 2018. If you were listening to this show after um, the end of May 2018. Um, Sorry, but the course is still great. It is, um, uh, I got a chance to look at it. Check it out. Is there anywhere else you want to point listeners? I know you were on Twitter. Yeah, all all of the places, right? You know, the the Twitters, the Facebooks, the, you know, all that stuff. Um, SG Carney. But, you know, any sort of Google search for Scott Carney, I usually come up uh, at the top of that list. Yeah. So. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much. And, and you know, I, I love the idea of merging business, creativity, kind of monetizing and, and the writer as startup. So congrats on all your successes. Uh, best of Thanks, luck on all of the balls that you got in the air. We hope you get that roller coaster or at least <laughs> at least a carousel with your name on it. Oh, that seems more manageable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, come back uh, on the pod again and update us uh, whenever you want. But it was great chatting with you. Awesome. Will do. Thanks so much for having me, man. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Colton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.